what up what up fam this is uh no cap with night god um so uh i recently posted on my youtube um explaining a document that i found online i stumbled upon it uh by sheer luck i mean it was just absolutely by mistake um started reading over it and wow talk about mind-blowing um i already started the beginning i'm going to read it word for word on youtube I already started uh, and did the beginning, so if you want to go check that on my on my YouTube, go ahead. Uh, that'd be awesome. Just search Night God. Go to your YouTube and search Night God, and uh, it'll be the picture with uh, it's black and light green, and it says Night God with uh, alien. So, um, and don't forget to subscribe, please. Um, I also have a podcast at Anchor.fm backslash Night God three three three. So I'll be talking about different things on there. Um, they're each going to have their own unique content uh, from YouTube to TikTok to my podcast. Uh, I'll talk about things that I can't talk about on other uh, platforms on certain, probably mostly my podcast will be uh, uncut, raw, and uh, no holds bars. No no, no fluffing it up for Facebook or, or TikTok is a big one. You got to. I mean, they've been let better lately, but um, YouTube is still, they're pretty good. They're better than TikTok, I guess, but uh, <clears throat> they're still known for canceling people and banning people who, who fight the status quo. So um, I hope they don't do that to me. Uh, I just want to seek the truth. This isn't anything outlandish. I'm not slandering anybody's name. This is just truth about ancient history and what our planet has really been through. What ha What is the history of our planet and the species that inhabited it really been throughout. Uh, so um, today I got out of that document. Uh, it's called The Secret of Secrets, Buseji Mountain Secrets by Simon Day. Um, he is a uh, debunker, writes articles, author. Uh, he started to try and debunk this document. Or, or found something similar online to this document that he made uh, and could not debunk it. He was gonna, he was absolutely uh, enthralled by it. So he immersed himself into it and he went and did all the research. I mean, he went to every location, talked to multiple sources from military to press to uh, foreign officials. Um, he went he went and dug deep. He did uh, all the research for you and I to know the truth. So um, I thank him for that. Uh, it's not fair. It's not uh, ethical to not tell us what's going on and where we really come from. I think that our world would be a much different place today if they would have told us when they found out themselves. So uh, the truth shall set you uh, shall set you free, as the old saying goes. So. Um, here it is. I'm going to give it to you. So I don't care. I'm not, uh, walking on eggshells. I'm not worried about anything at all as far as, uh, them retaliating. But, um, if they do, well, I'm not suicidal. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to go ahead and start. This is Admiral Richard Byrds. Somehow this dude found Admiral Richard Byrds. Actual lost diary excerpts. So don't ask me how. 
Um, he is uh, pretty much 90% sold on him. There's some of it like the battle that happened prior to him reaching Antarctica for Operation High Jump, 1947. It was said that that operation, he took 4,000 men, planes, and ships to Antarctica to see if the Nazis still had a presence there. Um, as he was approaching, flying saucers flew up out of the ocean, and they began attacking them. There was a little skirmish. They lost a few men. Uh, one ship sank, a couple planes. Uh, pretty much did not touch the uh, alien entities that they were fighting. Um, but shortly after this, Admiral Byrd takes a small single-engine plane with a radio man, just him and a radio man, to where he believes he's going to find the other Sims hole, the other entrance to inner earth. I always want to say middle earth. I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. I always say middle earth. So I apologize if I say that I'm working on it, but I mean, same concept. I mean, where do you figure that uh, Lord of the Rings got their ideas? Maybe from this. So, um, the excerpts go as follows. At 1000 hours was his first one. This is 10 a.m. in the morning. Two months after they got to Antarctica. They only were there for two months, or the whole trip took two months, I want to say. So it was very short-lived. As soon as they got to Antarctica, they weren't there very long, and they hightailed back. Why? They were supposed to take six months to a year for that mission. Well, this is why. So at 10 a.m., we are crossing over the small mountain range and still proceeding northward as best as can be ascertained. Beyond the mountain range is what appears to be a valley with a small river or stream running through the center portion. There should be no green valley below. Something is definitely wrong and abnormal here. We should be over ice and snow. We are in Antarctica. To the port side are great forests growing on the mountain slopes. Our navigation instruments are still spinning. The gyroscope is oscillating back and forth. And that's just a uh, older style compass. So five minutes later, at 1005, I alter altitude to 1400 feet and execute a sharp left to turn to better examine the valley below. It is green with either moss or a type of tight-knit grass. The light here seems to be different because, okay, read, I cannot see the sun anymore. That's the next line. I cannot see the sun anymore. Um, that's because he is getting the light from the sun in middle earth. Okay. The light seems to be different. Well, it is in fact different because you're seeing the light from, uh, inner earth. Excuse me. We make another left turn and we spot what seems to be a very large animal. It's an animal that looks like an elephant. Wait a second though. No. It looks more like a mammoth. This is incredible, yet there it is. Decrease altitude to a 1,000 feet and take binoculars to better examine the animal. It is confirmed. It is definitely a mammoth. Report this to base camp. That was at 10.05 a.m. And now I'm going to go away from military time. It's just easier for the average person. 10.30 a.m. Encounter more rolling green hills below. The external temperature indicates 74 degrees Fahrenheit. So he's in Antarctica flies over these mountains, and all of a sudden, it's 74 degrees Fahrenheit. That's crazy. It's supposed to be cold there all the time. Continuing on our heading now, navigation instruments have gone back to normal. 
I am puzzled over their actions. I attempt to contact base camp, but the radio is not functioning. 11.30. Countryside below is more level and normal, if I may use that word. Ahead, we spot what seems to be a city. This is impossible. Aircraft seems light and oddly buoyant. The controls refuse to respond. My God, off to our port and starboard wings are a strange type of aircraft. They are closing rapidly alongside. They are disc-shaped and have a radiant quality to them. They are close enough now to see the markings on them. It is a type of swastika. This is fantastic. Where are we? What has happened? I tug at the controls again. They will not respond. We are caught in an invisible vice grip of some sort. 11.35. Our radio crackles and a voice comes through in English with what is perhaps a slight Nordic or German accent. The message is, Welcome, Admiral, to our domain. We shall land you in exactly seven minutes. Relax, Admiral, you are in good hands. I note that the engines of our plane have stopped running. The aircraft is under some kind of strange control, and now it's turning itself. The controls are useless. 1140. Another radio message is received. We begin the landing process now, and in moments the plane shudders slightly and begins a descent as though caught in an invisible elevator. So it's moving vertically. The downward motion is negligible, and we touch down with just a slight jolt. So whatever is controlling it has absolute control. I am making a hasty last entry in the flight log. Several men are approaching on foot toward our aircraft. They are tall with blonde hair. In the distance is a large, shimmering city, pulsating with rainbow hues of color. I do not know what is going to happen now, but I see no signs of weapons on those approaching. I hear now a voice ordering by name to open the cargo door. I comply. From this point, I will write all the following events here from memory. It defies the imagination and would seem all but madness if it had not happened. The radio men and I are taken off the aircraft and we were received in the most cordial manner. We were then boarded on a small platform conveyance with no wheels. It moves us towards the glowing city with great swiftness. As we approach, the city seems to be made of a crystal-like material. Soon we arrive at a large building that is the type I have never seen before. It appears to be right out of a design board of a Frank Lloyd Wright, or perhaps more correctly, out of a Buck Rogers setting. Now that is an old school reference, all right? Now that is an old school reference. That is something that you could argue is validation of this document. It is credible. Um, details like that, that only Admiral Byrd would know. Who would know that? You know, that he's a Buck Rogers or a Frank Lloyd Wright fan. Who would really know that? So stuff like that you got to look for. Um, if you're trying to, say, debunk an article yourself, I pretty much, every article I read, I analyze, you know, and, and decide for myself. And it's stuff like that. So, um, continuing on. We were given some type of warm beverage which tasted like nothing I have ever savored before. It is absolutely delicious. After about 10 minutes, two of our wondrous appearing hosts come to our quarters and announce that I am to accompany them. I have no choice but to comply. I leave my radio man behind and we walk a short distance and enter into what seems to be an elevator. We descend downward for some moments. So the entrance is up a little bit higher than the next level of tunnels or the next area. Um, in the tunnels over at the Buseji Mountains, it's said, or under the Giza Sphinx for a better example, a more notable example, 
they are said to go up to two, up to two, three, or even four kilometers deep. So you're talking a couple miles deep. These things are actually very, very deep into the earth. So we were given some type of warm beverage. I have no choice but to comply. Okay, so it is delicious. After that, okay, I have no choice but to comply. I leave my radio man behind and walk a short distance into what seems to be an elevator. We descend downward for some moments. The machine stops and the door lifts silently upward. We then proceed down a long hallway that is lit by a rose-colored light that seems to be emanating from the very walls. That seems to be emanating from the very walls. Rose-colored light. Could these be the same lights that they used to light the pyramids? To light the tunnels? I think I'm going to say it's damn close. It's damn similar. I just think that uh, there's that's not a coincidence. I think that he is seeing the light that lights the pyramids on the inside so without any electricity okay so one of the beings motions for us to stop before a great door over the door is an inscription that i cannot read the great door slides noiselessly open and i am beckoned to enter I step inside and my eyes adjust to the beautiful coloration that seems to be filling the room completely. Then I begin to see my surroundings. What greeted my eyes is the most beautiful sight of my entire existence. It is in fact too beautiful and wondrous to even ex- describe. It is exquisite and delicate. I do not think there exists a human term that can describe it in any detail with justice. My thoughts are interrupted in a cordial manner by a warm, rich voice of melodious quality. I bid you welcome to our domain, Admiral. I see a man with delicate features and with the etching of years upon his face. He is seated at a long table. He motions me to sit down in one of the chairs. After I'm seated, he places his fingertips together and smiles. He speaks softly again and conveys the following. We have let you enter here because you are of noble character and well known on the surface world, Admiral. Surface world. I have gasped under my breath. Yes, the master replies with me, with, to me with a smile. You are in the domain of the Ariani, the inner world of Earth. We shall not long delay your mission, and you will be safely escorted back to the surface and for a distance beyond. But now, Admiral, I shall tell you why I have summoned you here. Our interest, rightly so, begins just after your race exploded the first atomic bombs over Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan. So this is how uh, World War II ended, basically. So um, notice the detail of how this master, okay? Yeah, this master, um, he knows how the bombs got exploded over off the ground. They explode nukes off the ground right before or probably a few hundred yards before they hit because it actually is more detrimental uh half the explosion doesn't get ate up by the ground you know so um funny how he noticed that so so 
So after Japan, it was at that alarming time we sent our flying machines, the Flugelrads, to your surface world to investigate what your race has done. That is, of course, past history now, my dear Admiral, but I must continue on. You see, we have never interfered before in your race's wars or barbarity, but now we must, for you have learned to tamper with a certain power that was not meant for man, namely that of atomic energy. Our emissaries have already delivered messages to the powers all over your world, and yet they do not heed. Now you have been chosen to be witness here that our world does exist, Admiral. You see, our culture and science is many thousands of years beyond your race. I interrupted. But what does this have to do with me, sir? The master's eyes seemed to penetrate deeply into my mind, and after studying me for a few moments, he replied, Your race has now reached a point of no return. For there are those among you who would destroy your world rather than relinquish the power as they know it. I nodded and the master continued. In 1945 and afterwards, we tried to contact your race, but our efforts were met with hostility. Our flugelrads were fired upon. Yes, even pursued with malice and animosity by your fighter planes. So now I say to you, my son, notice he calls him something, my son. Odd. There's a great storm gathering in your world, a black fury that will not spend itself for many years. There will be no answer in your arms. There will be no safety in your science. It is my rage, or it, sorry, it may rage on until, it may rage on until every flower of your culture is trampled and all human things are leveled in vast chaos. Your recent war is only a prelude of what is yet to come for your race. We here see it more clearly with each hour. Do you think I am mistaken? No, I answer. It happened once before. The Dark Ages came and they lasted for more than 500 years. Yes, my son, replied the master. My son, the Dark Ages that will come now for your race will cover the earth like a pall. But I believe that some of your race will live through the storm. Beyond that, I cannot say. We see at a great distance a new world stirring from the ruins of your race, seeking its lost and legendary treasures, and they will be here, my son, safe in our keeping. When that time arrives, we shall come forward again to help revive your culture and your race. Now check that out. That's crazy. What that he The fact that he's calling him my son, that should kind of trigger something. Uh, we'll talk about it later, but... Basically, he's saying, like right here, we at a great distance see a new world stirring from the ruins of your race. Can they read the future? Can they already see it? That's the crazy thing. Ask yourself, can they already see it? That line tells me, I think yes. In fact, yes, they can see it. So, crazy stuff, man. And if they can see it, why are our elected officials and uh, our powers have not conceded to this uh, and listened. I don't understand. I'll never understand. Um, in the early 50s, Dwight D. Eisenhower, he said, or he actually met, he didn't say, but his it was his dog, great-granddaughter that said that it has been proven he met with the Nordic race first as president. Uh, They said they would help him and give him our technology if we lay down our nukes. So, of course, we didn't. Like idiots. That should be voted on as far as I'm concerned. But 
you know, think about if we would have took that offer up in, say, China, Russia, all those other places didn't. Boom. They're going to give us some tech that will defend any nuke like that. Makes it seem primitive. We pass up them offering us their technology for nukes. What the fuck? That's insane. You're talking anti-gravity. You know, you're talking living for a thousand years. That's not even a joke. That'll come up later. I got some stuff on that. So, um, I just said the last, the dark ages that came and lasted more than 500 years for man. Yes, my son, replied the master. The dark ages that will come now for your race will cover earth like a pall. I believe that some of your race will survive the storm, but I cannot say beyond that. So he basically says that we'll have all your stuff for safekeeping. Um, We're going to keep your uh, treasures and help advance you back to at least close to where you were the first time. Now I'm wondering if this hasn't already happened and we did get blown back into the stone age by a nuclear war already. And they've slowly been implanting tech and seeing what we do with it. The idea is love and light. That's all you have to do. You got to love and light. There's no hierarchy. There's no rich. There's no elite. Everybody's on an equal plane and everybody has a role and everybody serves that role. But everybody loves and helps each other. That's pure, just just basically purity of heart. No war, no evil, no bullshit. There's people like that. There is. Um, hopefully there's a special place for them if shit does hit the fan. But uh, unfortunately, it's not looking like our entirety, the entirety of our race is going to be able to join them. Um, like the Mayans. So he just says, we shall come forward again to help revive your culture and your race. Perhaps by then you will have learned the futility of war and its strife. And after that time, certain of your culture and science will be returned for your race to begin anew. You, my son, are to return to the surface world with this message. With these closing words, our meeting seemed to come to an end. I stood for a moment as if in a dream, but yet I knew this was reality. And for some strange reason, I bowed slightly, either out of respect or humility. Detail that validates. I do not know which. Suddenly, I was again aware that these two beautiful hosts who had brought me here were again at my side. This way, Admiral, motion one. I turned once more before leaving and looked back towards the master. A gentle smile was etched on his delicate and ancient face. Farewell, my son, he spoke. Then he gestured with a lovely, slender hand motion of peace, and our meeting was truly ended. Now, guys, why is he calling him my son? This hit me the first time I read it. I knew instantly. At least I feel I know. Whoever the master is, not saying he's necessarily a physical being. This this was a physical being but it could just be his vessel when he's here. But in fact, I believe that day, Admiral Byrd talked to God and our creator. One and the same. Ever heard the song, Ooh, Heaven is a Place on Earth? Middle Earth, Inner Earth, excuse me. Heaven is a place on Earth. Boom. You know what I mean? That the master, why would he call him my son? 
unless he felt as though he was his father. I don't know. Kind of kind of crazy stuff. Um, I, I mean, you don't necessarily even have to look at him as God or Jesus. You can just say, hey, he was talking to our designer, our ultimate creator, our DNA manipulator, whatever he did to get to us. Right? Easily. If they're text that advance, he wants for us to be able to join his world and reach the next dimension. But so far, we're too evil and war is eventually coming. And he said, without a doubt. So, and I believe that. Um, I don't know what the elites got going on. I don't know what the uh, politicians got going on. Unfortunately, um, to me, are they trying to you know, yeah, they don't want to lose their power, basically, by having to go to Middle Earth even. So um, they'd rather depopulate the Earth and continue to live. But it will eventually come to an end. You can't continue that evil forever. Um, this is a much more beautiful world. It's peaceful. It's love. It's light. It's no suffering, no struggling. Beautiful. Powers. Powerful. Magical. So... Quickly, we walked back through the great door of the master's chamber once again, entered into the elevator. The door slid silently downward, and we were at once going upward. One of my hosts spoke again. We must now make haste, Admiral, as the master's desires you to delay no longer on your scheduled timetable. And you must return with his message to your race. I said nothing. All of this was almost beyond belief. And once again, my thoughts were interrupted as we stopped. I entered the room and was again with my radio man. He had an anxious expression on his face. As I approached, I said, It is all right, Howie. It is all right. The two beings motioned us toward, awaiting the, toward the awaiting conveyance. We boarded and soon arrived back at the aircraft. The engines were idling. We boarded immediately. The whole atmosphere seemed charged, now with a certain air of urgency. After the cargo door was closed to the aircraft, was immediate, the aircraft was immediately lifted by the unseen force until we reached an altitude of 2,700 feet. Two of the aircraft were alongside for some distance us by uh, guiding us on our way. I must state here the airspeed indicator registered no reading, yet we were moving along at a very rapid rate. At 2.15 p.m., a radio message comes through. We are leaving now, Admiral. Your controls are free. Off Widershin. We watched for a moment as the Flugelrads disappeared into the pale blue sky. The aircraft suddenly felt as though caught in a sharp downdraft for a moment. We quickly recovered her control. We do not speak for some time. Each man has his thoughts. 2.20. We are again over the vast areas of ice and snow in approximately 27 minutes from base camp. We radio them. They respond. We report all conditions normal. Normal. Base camp expresses relief of our reestablished contact. Three, we land smoothly at base camp. I have a mission. Okay, so that's the entire encounter in Antarctica for Admiral Richard Burton. Okay, so he has his end of his, this is the end of his diary, his final notes. These are his final notes. March 11th, 1947. I have just attended a staff meeting at the Pentagon. I've stated fully my discovery and the message from the master. All is duly recorded. The president has been advised. I am now detained for several hours, six hours, 39 minutes to be exact. 
I am interviewed intently by top security forces and a medical team. It was an ordeal. I am placed under strict control via the national security provisions of this United States of America. I am ordered to remain silent in regard to all that I have learned on the behalf of humanity. That's in all caps, on behalf of humanity. Incredible. I am reminded that I am a military man and I must obey orders. And he does. These last few years, this is his final entry, his last one. These last few years have elapsed since 1947 and they have not been kind. I now make my final entry in this singular diary. In closing, I must state that I have faithfully kept this matter secret as directed all of these years. It has been completely against my values of moral right. Now I seem to sense the long night coming on, and this secret will not die with me. But as all truth shall, it will triumph, and so it shall. This can be the only hope for mankind. I have seen the truth, and it, is, it has quickened my spirit and has set me free. I have done my duty toward the monstrous military-industrial complex. Now the long night begins to approach, but there shall be no end. Just as long the night of the Arctic ends, just as long, just as the long night of the Arctic ends, the brilliant sunshine of truth shall come again, and those who are of darkness shall fall in its light. I love that. For I have seen that land beyond the pole, that center of the great unknown. Admiral Richard E. Byrd, United States Navy, December 24th, Christmas Eve. 1956.